All right. Do it. It's Thursday. This is Parenting Porcupines. Libertarian Moms here with you live on Facebook, live on YouTube. Today we're talking about gender roles. We're kicking off Women's History Month. It's March. Can you believe it? It's already March. It's crazy. We're doing this. We'll be right back. All right. So it's March which is Women's History Month, uh, which I think, honestly, um, if anybody's out there asking themselves, well, when is it Men's History Month? The answer is literally every other month, including February. So we're talking about women and women's history in the month of March. And so we're focused on, in our episode today, we're going to focus on gender roles, traditional gender roles, and whether or not those gender roles are uh, detrimental to what's happening in your house and in your family and all that kind of thing. So, you know, let's let's do this. I don't think there's any reason to beat around the bush here. Let's talk about some of the gender roles that may show up in your I'm going to pick on you guys first and then we'll talk about the gender roles in my house. So, Melissa, what gender <laughs> what traditional gender roles exist in your house that you guys are maintaining for whatever reason? And you can justify the hell out of it. Like, but you know, is is he killing spiders and you're doing the laundry? Like, oh, what's no. the what's happening? <laughs> Um, no, not really. I'm not afraid of most spiders. I've seen some big ones and sometimes I'll get them. But, um, I stay home. I work from home part time. He is the primary breadwinner. So I do take the, I organize the schedules. I direct, you know, where children are supposed to be when I'm responsible for picking them up from school if they're sick, because I'm the one that's home because that's what I want to do. If I wanted to work, I'd be at work full time. And he wouldn't say any. He'd say, okay, great. We have more money. (laughs) (laughs) But as far as like, um, like household stuff and child rearing stuff, he's doing bedtime as we speak because I'm busy doing something else. Yeah. He cooks. What's that that other thing you're doing? I'm this. I'm doing this. (laughs) Hi, everyone. This is yeah. Well, he does no, the laundry. He does. I'm teasing about it, but this is a big deal. You do political leadership in a mm-hmm. in a bigger way, not to to hate on Brian, but in a bigger way than Brian does. Like you are active in your county party. You're active in the state party. You're active in the Better Ballot SC organization. Like you're doing this political activity and this political action in a much bigger way. And these are all volunteer roles. So that's the equivalent of a full-time job without actually getting paid for it. Um, so from a gender role perspective, we kind of expect that our male counterparts, our partners might be that political candidate, right? But that's not the case in our houses. It's the three of us. So right on. Jess, what about you? What kind of traditional gender roles are persisting or lingering in your home? I would say the same, um, the same ones because I work from home. I work full-time. Um, but I work from home. And so I, like Melissa, I handle schedules. I get kids um, from school. My husband does take the younger one to school. And then my tween, teen, he's now a teen, um, carpools in the mornings. And I drive carpool a couple of days a week. So like those types of things, the mom, the mom stuff, mom stuff. Um, I usually do the cooking. He likes to cook too. Um, and he's actually a very good cook, but he's also a very messy cook. And even though he tries his best to clean up, he doesn't do that great of a job. So it's really more of a, um, 
I like to handle the kitchen because I don't like for my kitchen to be a mess. <laughs> if I want it a certain way. Yes. Yeah. I, I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll go, I'll go behind him and read oh, yeah. the dishwasher. Me too. Me too. Cause I can wrong. get more. I can get more. I, I have a system. I can get so I much in my dishwasher. Stop complaining. I don't yeah. tell him. Yeah. You just, just go do it. Change it. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Me too. Cause if I um, complain, he'll stop trying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, it. Michael does, he does, he does his laundry. I do everybody's laundry and then I basket it and put it in the bedrooms and they put their stuff away. And then sometimes Michael will wash his own if he needs something. So um, I, I think beyond the like traditional mom stuff, we don't really have any of those gender roles in our house. We so you mentioned Michael being a good cook. Charlie's a fantastic cook. I mean, just a really good and he, and he enjoys it. It's a hobby for him. And so really, probably two to three years ago, once he stopped working a job where he was coming home late every night, where for 16 years he was coming home after seven. So dinner had to mm -hmm. already be prepped because I mean it would be 10 o'clock before we would eat, right? But once he was getting home at a normal afternoon, like four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock when he was outside. Uh, sales, he started taking on more of the cooking. So he does the grocery shopping, he builds the grocery list, he does all the cooking, he prepares all the meals. And my job is to clean up afterwards, which of course solves that dishwasher Tetris problem. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can Tetris the shit out of a dishwasher for real, right? Uh, so, so we definitely have that. And then we've got, um, and from that perspective, I would say I'm more on like the kitchen cleanup side. And then I only cook if there's nights like he right now he's in school full time. And so he's got a lab on Tuesday nights, I cook on Tuesdays. Um, but for the most part, like, that's a hundred percent Charlie's domain is to do that. Uh, he's, uh, he's in the chat right now, by the way. And he's going, nobody does your laundry. <laughs> I'm like, that's true. I do my own laundry. Everybody in our house does their own laundry. Holly's been doing her own laundry since she was nine years old. I mean, from the, yeah. she couldn't even carry the basket downstairs when we started teaching her how to do her own laundry. So everybody in our house does their own laundry. And, um, but I would say definitely the cooking is on, it's on Chuck and he does all the grocery shopping too, which uh, I just frustrate him when I go grocery shopping. <laughs> <laughs> I come home and he's like, why didn't you get this? Why did you get that? Not this. Why did you get this? And not that. And oh, like, see, my husband can manage to spend twice as much as I would have on the same exact List. My husband won't use coupons. He will not use coupons. <laughs> he doesn't even pay attention to yeah. the price. He just, I want this, yeah. I want this. I'm like, no. Was anything yeah. on sale? Why did you spend so much money? So that's what. That's the only reason <laughs> yeah. I prefer to do the shopping is because we're on a budget. Same. Well, so yeah. that's a good question though. Like, is this more about in our era, like in our age group? Uh, so we're Gen X or Millennial, right? Um, and in our age groups, is it more about? the responsibility um, and who feels a sense of control or feels like this is how they do it better um, versus a traditional gender role. And I asked that because like over the weekend, we clean the house. Um, we start from the one room and we work together. Every single room we clean together until we get downstairs. But I can hang in there a little bit longer than my family can. And so like by the time they were done, like they're like, mom, I'm, I'm sick of this. I'm not doing any more cleaning. And I was still like, you know, toothbrush to the patio kind of stuff, right? Like trying to figure, like trying to get the last little bit of it. Um, so is there, are, is it just things, Melissa, that you feel like, like the budget at the grocery store? Are there just things that you feel like this is you, you're, you just do maybe a better job I do of it? better. Yes. A more There's responsible job. There's things I job. want done a certain way. And if he won't do them, then 
the certain way I want them done, I'll just do it myself. It's just easier. It, it I feel more relaxed if I do it myself. Mm-hmm. But it's a choice. It's no one saying you have to stay home and do this. This is your only option. Yeah. But yeah, I like. I had a voice in who does what, which is which is the goal. Yeah. To, to work it out together and decide who does what in a in a partnership manner. Yeah. yeah, and I I think that for our generations, I think that's the that's the word, right? Is partnership. I think our generations value that a little bit more in our relationships and our marriages and our domestic partnerships. Um, I think we value that that partnership. Yeah, I think he's so asking too. If, he should, not- if he should bother loading the dishwasher. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I heard what you said. I will touch your sis. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to figure this out. <laughs> but I, I think you're right, Jessica. I think that we absolutely have a sense of balance, a little bit more of balance. And I think that the men in our generation, uh, Maybe they grew up watching their moms do this kind of work. Maybe they, and and our moms, like, so the um, baby boomer moms were the first time that most of us saw two parent, two income households, two people working, right? Like working outside of the home. And they weren't all of them. Like a lot of my friends, when we grew up, our moms stayed at home, but eventually they went to work, right? And so like, we start to see like the domestic, the, the caring for a house and caring for children requires some kind of give and take. It requires yeah. partnership, right? It re- and if you have somebody in your home and your family with you that's meant to be a grown up like you, then you should <laughs> expect that grown up to take on an equal amount of mm-hmm. the responsibility, right? Like regardless of how much they're bringing in financially, they're a grown up in the building that should be equally responsible for caring for your home, caring for your children, um, pets, whatever else is is part of this domestic experience we're having. And I think that might be unique to our generation. Um, it is. And certainly to the, mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly to the millennials. They're even better about it than we are. Gen Xers are still sort of stuck a little bit in some of these old traditional roles, but um, I think the millennials my grandma, are better about it. My grandmother thinks my husband is just the best thing she's ever seen in the world. <laughs> because he does his own laundry. Because he does dishes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He does dishes yeah. and he cooks. And he does laundry and he does bedtime. And it just, when we first moved down here and my grandma got to see my husband, like in family situations all the time, she's like, he just goes over and helps the kid and changes the diaper. I'm like, yeah, they're his kids. It's like, oh no, your grandfather, she worked full time, but then she came home and he'd ask her what's for dinner. Cause it was, you know, she's 80 two years old now, it was a different generation. She was expected to just do everything. And I wonder if that's blown away. (laughs) I wonder if that's where that mentality of, you know, men babysitting their children comes from. (laughs) Like nothing makes me more angry than when I hear a woman say, that her husband is babysitting their children. If any of you watching ever say that to me, just know the look that I give you, if it could kill, you would die a thousand deaths. (laughs) Because it makes me that angry to hear women say that. 
Yeah. Well, so we have, I think, you know, that's, you make a really good point about that because we think about caregiving as the, this is a traditional gender role in that Mm -hmm. we assume females are more on the caregiving, compassionate um, side, right? Like that's, we assume women to be that way. But I got to tell you, I know women that don't have a compassionate bone in their body that regardless of motherhood (laughs) could give a damn whether this kid gets fed or not, right? Like there, so that gender role is very much a stereotype, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's what we, uh, we might have expected it, but it's built into this patriarchal model, which says that men are uh, meant to be outside of the house. They're meant Mm -hmm. to have a public life. They're meant to bring money back to the house and support us financially. And women are supposed to stay in the house and have a private life and care for the family. And that is so archaic, right? Like that's very Victorian era, you know, a hundred years ago. And yet there are still some societies that still very much cling to that. And some faith systems that cling to that in terms of like the right way to do things, the biblical way to do things. Um, I would just went through an entire, um, Bible study back in the fall called Ezer that was all about this concept of the patriarchy and like, I won't bore you with it. But the bottom line is that this is a man-made sociological construction mm-hmm. and we don't have to live that way. Like if, yeah. what, if it does not work for your house, then it doesn't work and you should right. chuck it, right? <laughs> like you need yeah. to do whatever works for your house. For sure. All right. So a couple of other things. Sorry, my husband's blowing up our chat here, by the way. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's like, I'm a renaissance man. We might have had happy hour. <laughs> the weather my, is so nice. My dad and is literally porch, a nurse. The screen and porch was, was calling. So your dad's a nurse. Yeah. Tell us about that. He, my dad, my dad's a interesting dude, a ballet dancing, motorcycle riding he looks like Mr. Clean. He's got bald head, earring, goatee, nurse. He's just, don't try and pin him down. Don't do it. <laughs> you think you know him. You don't know him. You don't know. You don't you have no idea who he is. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's a deacon at his church who thinks uh, that prostitution should be legal. Because it's going to happen anyway. And it's safer for the women involved if it's legal and they have some sort of protection and recourse. So this is how, yes, this is the man who raised me saying, go to church, do this, but also people are human and we should let people make their own decisions. And yeah, he's just a big conundrum. In a, in a I love that. You know, I didn't, in a I didn't build that into the show notes. I'm going to throw the um, the blog link up there again so people can see it, tell them what episode we're on. And um, I didn't build it into the show notes, but you bring up a good point, Melissa, because the Libertarian Party does suggest that uh, sex workers should absolutely be protected by law in a legal trade, in a legal occupation. And I I got to admit, like when I first came to the LP, I was a little worried about that. I was a little concerned about that because I thought um, that there's a sense of degradation. Uh, there's this kind of abusive scenario, like what woman would choose this and that kind of thing. But the more I spent time thinking about the economy of trading goods, 
and having an uh, equal footing to be able to fight when you're not getting what you deserve. I thought, well, my God, if I'm going to get paid for something and I'm supposed to get paid for something, I have legal recourse, mm -hmm. but these women don't, or these, these people who are in sex work don't. And so that alone is reason enough to legalize in a way that gives them protection under the law from a contract that it was meant to have been executed. Um, and so, yeah, like I definitely came around to that on the economy of exchange of goods, um, but it has the sort of stench of gender roles because we do assume that sex workers are women, that they're disenfranchised, that they have been abused for some reason, that this is the only thing they're capable of doing. We don't think of them as being uh, professionals who've chosen a specific profession. And so I think that's an interesting, uh, interesting for you to bring that up too, that your dad's a proponent of that, um, the liberation of that, right? Uh, all right. So, okay. What non-traditional gender roles are happening in your house? So what are the things in your house, Melissa, that like traditionally that's a boy's thing, that's a man's thing, that's a dad's thing, but mom is straight up getting it done. What's happening in your house that's a, you're doing the non-traditional thing? Oh, see, I don't even know. Aside from I do the political stuff, I've run for office. I'm doing the, the, the uh every talk that you have with the children about what's happening to their bodies and stuff I can do that. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Uh, that's what I'm dealing with right now. Anyway. Well that's um, a good question though because Je <laughs> Jess has two I'll take I'll take the heat off you real quick because Jess has two boys. <laughs> Jess, did you put that on Michael to handle that with your two boys? So funny story, actually. Um, <laughs> so with with Jackson, because they do sex ed at school and I the first year that he did it in middle school, because that's the first year they really start to learn, you know. And I went to review the curriculum. I requested to review it to see what they were going to be going over. And I felt very comfortable with what they presented. Um, you know, being accurate. And I didn't feel like we needed to have any more discussions with him about it. So after the, the week of sex education, I just asked him, I was like, Hey, how did it go this week? How do you feel about it? And he was like, well, it's kind of weird mom. And, um, I asked him, I was like, do you have any questions? And he was like, no. And I think Michael probably asked him if he had any questions and he told him no. And we were like, all right, well, if you do, you know where to find us. Otherwise, we're going to leave you alone because we don't want to make this awkward. <laughs> but Caldwell, we were in the mountains with some friends last week, and he announced to the room because um, the dad of the other family that was with us turned on the TV. And whoever the family was or whoever the people were that stayed at the Airbnb before us were watching some things on, I guess, Netflix or I don't know, but they were still on the TV. Was it Bridgerton? I don't, I don't know. It was, it was, it was, I don't know what it was, but that's when he like, you know, nervously turned it off and Cole was like, it's okay. I know what sex is. And we were like, uh, you, what, what you do? Like, so I sent him upstairs. Cause I was like, I, I can't deal with this right now. Cause we were unloading the car. And so <laughs> Michael comes in and I was like, so your son just announced to the room, this whole room, 
that he knows what sex is. So you may want to go up there and talk to him about that. <laughs> so he went upstairs and he asked him and call apparently, I don't know if he went down like some YouTube rabbit hole or I, I don't know what happened. But he was like, yeah, we're going to have to have a conversation when we get home. To my knowledge, that conversation hasn't happened. But That's pretty funny. Yeah. yeah so you're talking about the, um, the school sex ed, right? Like we had, uh, so HB and I read this book uh, years ago called Alana, the first adventure where this young girl pretends to be a knight because she wants to train as a knight instead of going to train as a sorceress. So she switches places with her twin brother. He goes to train to be a sorcerer. She goes to train to be a knight. Well, of course, what's going to happen if this girl is pretending to be a boy at some point, she's going to get her period. This is going to be a thing, right? So mm. from the time Holly's like, eight years old, we're talking about this, like the biology of being a female. Yeah. Plain and simple biology being a female. So when she gets into those classes, it's not, this is not new. This vocabulary is not new. The like what to do is not new, who to call, who to talk to all, none of that is new, right? It's the intimacy part. Like when you introduce the actual, there's another relationship, there's another mm -hmm. physical human in this. That's the stuff that got tricky. But we just talk. I mean, like, and I'm lucky because it's me and and the girl and the female child, right? Yeah. <laughs> the the person who lives in my home who's younger than I am, right? Like, yeah. And so we just, and it's consistent. Like the conversation is happening all the time, every day, all the time for whatever we're seeing in, in a way that it's not ever awkward really anymore because it's happened so many times. And this is not, um, this is like all those things that we talk about, like, like, the thing that your mom did badly that you promised you will not do badly. This was one of those that like, I just remember a stark, this is a thing that was done badly and I'm just not going to have that in my house. And so I've been really proactive about it. I have another friend whose parents let her be a picky eater. <laughs> and so she's decided that her children will absolutely not be picky eaters. And she has force fed them vegetables since they were five years old. Like there's like a thing about that, right? Like, or like if you're, if there was like no exercise in your family or like they didn't value sports or health and fitness, or like if there was a smoker in your family, like there's the thing that was like the, the thing in your family that kind of, that you're like, I'm never going to, we're not going to do that here. And I think as long as you and your partner are on the same page, like this is the thing then you mm -hmm. kind of go, okay, this is the thing. And in our house, that was the thing. So we've, we've been pretty, it's on me still. Cause it's female child. Had it been male child, it would be 100% on Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> 100% on yeah, Charlotte. That's what I thought. But yeah. Are there any other like non-traditional gender roles, Jess, that's happening in your house that, uh, I mean, I know you're, you're taking care of the pets, snakes and all the zoo. Our zoo. Um, no, everybody takes care because every person is responsible for their animals. So everybody takes care of their own animals. Um, but political involvement, obviously. My husband is not involved politically. He has no desire to be. Um, so it's and then I, your house. Yeah. He enjoyed that though. Um, and we had so much fun. Um, and I handle all of our finances, all of our finances. Like when we got married, that was one thing that I said, that I, it, I have to have control over the finances. If we're going to put everything in one pot, 
I have to handle it because that is my jam. I am good at money. I can get creative if I need to, but like it will get done. It will be right. You know? And so I was just very particular about that. And, and I think that comes from um, having grown up in a family where my dad, my dad handled all the finances, but he, I think I've said this before in other episodes, but he was very particular about credit. And so that was something that was like ingrained in me that, you know, credit is your credit is everything. And so like that was, I would, I would, I was just very proud of what I had built as a single mom. And so when I got married, I was like, you can't have that. Like, you're, I'm not giving you control of that. That's mine, you know? And thankfully he went along with it. So, you yeah, know, really I do all the finances that. in our house. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think that's non-traditional though, because my grandmother did all the finances in their house when they really, were the men always did. The men have always done the money no, stuff no, in my she, family. I mean, my papa didn't know anything. Like in the last year of her life, she was teaching him how to understand how to do the finances because he, she, hmm. well, she was a bookkeeper by like, she was trained to be a bookkeeper. Yeah. So for her, like, but um, I saw that though, as the thing that sort of it weighed her down. I mean, she carried the stress of that and he mm -hmm. had none of that. Like he made his money and he put the money away and she was just going to figure out how to make ends meet. Oh no. See, and I, I like, cares I had stress. no, yeah, that, I was like, we're, we're not doing bills. that friend. Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't fight about money because we don't have any money. Like we don't, we've never had any money. So we don't, there's no reason to fight about something that we don't actually have. Right. But like, I'm not going to be in this by myself. And so we yeah. are like, we're the two of us 50-50, even though like right now, because Charlie's in school, I'm earning. But even before when I was trying my entrepreneurial thing and he was earning all the money, like it was, it's always been, we sit down every week, we pay the bills together. Like we both have visibility and transparency to it because I'm not going to be in this by myself. Um, and uh, he's, so he just put in the comment, like his mom was blind to finances. My mom was too. And when my mom and dad's marriage ended, like she had no idea um, what, what the financial repercussions for that were going mm -hmm. to be. I mean, it was so, yeah, I like, I never wanted to be that. It was talk about partnership. Like it had to yeah. be 50, 50 always, um, even if it's not 50, even if we're not equally contributing to the pot, right. To <laughs> Jessica's word, like, even if the finances aren't equal earning necessarily, mm -hmm. it still had to be that we both have total visibility and transparency to it and that you understand what's happening. Um, because, if something were to happen to me, you have to be able to pick right up. You can't, you know, yeah. be over there going, I don't know what to do. Um, so yeah, I, like that's an interesting one too. I hadn't thought about that in terms of traditional roles for finances, but yeah, Charlie said his dad handled all of them. So yeah. I don't know. I, I, I grew up in a house where my parents were equally irresponsible. Um, and that's Holly is also growing up in a house where her parents are equally irresponsible. <laughs> <laughs> right. As long as you agree to be equally irresponsible, that's all that that's, matters. That's all that matters. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're it's a partnership, Melissa. It's a partnership. We are partners in our financial family. Uh, all right, cool. So look, um, one more uh, list of these questions. So I, I put some things in our show notes that were, I thought were really interesting um, related to, there's this study that talks about characteristics being in two categories, agency and communality. And I, we're like headed toward the end of our broadcast here. So I just want to hit on this like really quickly. 
agency is being able to make choices and make decisions and be in control of your own destiny. And community or communality is caring for others and having compassion. And I thought it was really interesting that these two things were like two separate categories because I thought, couldn't they coexist? Um, but it talks about gender roles as assigning masculine gender to being more agency, more initiative, more ambition, and then female or feminine gender toward communality and caring for others. And in some of the work I've done in entrepreneurship, this is proven again and again. When we invest in women-owned businesses, the entire community thrives. Mm -hmm. So when we go to places, war-torn countries like El Salvador, and we promote these women-owned businesses, the entire community thrives. But when those entrepreneurial resources are directed toward masculine or male-owned businesses, those male-owned businesses might thrive, but their supply chain doesn't, their community doesn't, their mm -hmm. school doesn't, their families don't. They don't have the same sense of communality as a female business owner might have. So I'm interested in that sort of distinction, Melissa, if you think that there's a difference and this isn't to call out you and Brian individually, but like, is there a difference between the the communality or the, well, I'll stop talking. You you talk to that. Speak to that. Speak to that. Speak to that. I'll speak. I'll preach. This goes, I, this uh, hooks back to what we were saying about the income inequality and women are less likely to walk in and haggle for their pay raises and their starting salary, they're just, oh, cool. This is what it is. It's what it is. And that contributes to the wage gap because women are go with the flow. This is what it pays. This is what it pays. Men are like, no, me, me, me. I need a raise. I need more money. So it, it goes hand in hand with that. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And and these these men who are running these businesses in these places too, if they have workers that can't make it to work, then they find somebody else. If they have uh, suppliers who can't meet their requirements, they find another supplier versus these women business owners that will say, if I have workers that can't get to work, I will go pick them up and bring them here, right? Yeah. Like I will, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll go above out. and beyond. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder about that too. Jessica, do you think that that's true? And I mean, that I'm talking specifically about entrepreneurs in like war-torn countries, which is like an extreme example, but like, do you think that's true in your regular community that our women are more willing to um, extend additional help to people in the community or, and this is, again, these are like massive stereotypes, but like when you think about the gender roles, even in your, in our party, in your County, when you look at who shows up for, you know, adopt a highway versus like who shows up for elections. Yeah. Um, I'm struggling with this a little bit because I think that part of the reason that women and um, women owned businesses are more successful in terms of, you know, this specific conversation has a lot to do with women being, very resourceful and very creative. Um, so I think that's probably a whole nother discussion, but that's kind of where my mind goes because um, that's my experience with women in, in any leadership, in any, you know, ownership of anything. They're generally more creative, more resourceful, more flexible and, you know, they can find make do make make more happen with less with less yeah versus that yeah because we yeah. can't yeah. we can't count on the same systems and resources yeah 
we've but got politically, to figure out how to do it. Yeah, but politically, I would say, I mean, in, in my county, we're, we've got some really great folks. And so we have a good balance. I think um, we've got some ladies that show up. We've got men that show up and they show up consistently for county events. Um, at the state level, I think we see less involvement from women in terms of the number of women who are actively involved. But those of us who are involved are involved. Very We're not involved. involved. We are entrenched. You're <laughs> here. here. <laughs> like you can't get rid But but the thing about it is like it seems to me that, you know, oftentimes one of the things that frustrates me is that while we are doing a lot of the lifting, there's always, you know, all the stuff that goes on around us that is not helpful and it's really frustrating. So that's a, another one of those conversations. That's probably a whole separate conversation. Pick up a shovel <laughs> and and we're here at 32 minutes. So we've already <laughs> well, kind of done what we were going to do. We've been talking about mostly domestic gender roles, right? And then a little bit more into sort of business and social gender roles, uh, but more than anything about whether or not that norm really still exists. I think it's true that the patriarchy is entrenched, right? Like mm. there's, this is a social construct that is entrenched worldwide and it's stronger in some places. Uh, we know in Middle Eastern countries and Southeast Asia, like this patriarchy is much stronger, more entrenched than it is even here in the South, but it is still kind of lingering. And I, we didn't even get to talk about sort of the free rider women who go in there and know that they're not expected to do very much and not expected to know very much and take advantage of that. Um, because I have like, a, I believe there's like a special place in hell for those women. So um, <laughs> just, just to say that we roll up our sleeves and we take on the ambition and we do the very best we can in whatever area we've been given the opportunity to produce and to work and to um, cooperate. And uh, the others that are just looking for the free ride like nobody's got time for that chick nobody's got time yeah. for okay all right well look um this is i think a good conversation a lively conversation and it's just the beginning because this is women's history month and we're going to be talking all about this stuff for the rest of the month go out to the website it's parentingporcupines.com if you want to catch up on the show notes send us a note send us a comment we'd love to hear from you facebook out there facebook <laughs> Jessica's manning the Facebook. <laughs> I fell down on the job this week. Sorry, guys. Facebook doing its thing. Uh, but anyway, thank you. <laughs> thank you, too, for being with us. Thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll see you next time. <laughs>